Chapter Twenty Four of Grace Harlowe's Return to Overton Campus. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Grace Harlowe's Return to Overton Campus by Jessie Graham Flower. Chapter Twenty Four. Conclusion. The following morning, Kathleen took Evelyn to call on Anne Pearson at the Southards. She gazed almost in awe at Everett Southard, while her feeling of admiration for Anne was deep and abiding. Her undeniable beauty was not lost upon Mr. Southard, who later confided to his sister and Anne that Miss Ward was the most beautiful blonde girl he had ever seen. After an hour's chat in the actor's big, comfortable library, Mr. Southard proposed that they call upon Mr. Forrest that morning. Miss Pearson had written Miss Harlowe about the part, he declared, to the complete mystification of both Kathleen and Evelyn. He was glad Miss Ward had been able to come. He was sure she would be exactly suited to the part in The Reckoning. Kathleen managed to shoot a warning glance at Evelyn, not to betray herself. Later, by adroitly questioning Anne, she managed to put herself in possession of all the details concerning the letter Anne had written to Grace. Mr. Forrest quite fulfilled Mr. Southard's prediction. He could not refrain from showing his satisfaction with Evelyn. Within half an hour after entering his office, she had signed a contract to play the part of Constance Devon in the forthcoming production of The Reckoning. First rehearsal, July 2nd. Here's the part. Study it. Make these hardened barnstormers help you, declared Mr. Forrest with a dry chuckle as he handed her the part. But how does he know I can do it? she questioned, half fearfully, as they left the office. He is going to give you a chance, explained Mr. Southard. In his own mind he thinks you will do. He knows we will help you. You must work hard and prove to him that you are right. To Evelyn the rest of that eventful Saturday seemed like a marvellous dream. She had never before been in a large city, but despite her interest in the sights and sounds of New York, she could not help thinking of how different it might have been if she had not met Kathleen. The busy, endless streets terrified her, and the more she saw of the great metropolis, the less confident she felt in her own power to wrest a living from it, single-handed and alone. After leaving Mr. Forrest's office, they took luncheon at the Southards. Mr. Southard and Anne had a matinee in the afternoon. That evening they were to give the final performance of their season, which had run later than usual. Kathleen had an assignment for her paper for the afternoon, so Miss Southard took Evelyn to a matinee at one of the theatres. That evening the little party met at six o'clock in Mr. Southard's dressing room, where their dinner was brought in and served to them. Afterward, Kathleen, Miss Southard, and Evelyn sat in a box and saw Everett Southard and Anne in The Merchant of Venice. After the theatre came a little supper at the Southard's home, to which Mr. Vernon, Kathleen's fiancé, was also invited. Miss Southard had insisted that Kathleen and Evelyn should be her guests for the remainder of their stay in New York, and it was under the Southard's hospitable roof that Evelyn fell asleep that night after one of the happiest, most eventful days she had ever spent. Sunday morning soon slipped by. It seemed hardly half an hour from breakfast until train time. 
The charming informality with which the actor and his sister treated her made Evelyn feel as though she had known them for a very long time. In the enjoyment of the moment she quite forgot the real reason of her journey to New York, and it was only when Miss Southard invited her to come to their home to live as soon as college was over, in order that Mr. Southard might help her with her new part, that the humiliating remembrance of her misdeeds returned to her with sickening force. "'You must write to your sister, my dear, and explain everything,' said Miss Southard. "'If you will give me her address, I will write to her, too.' That is one point on which Everett is most particular. He would not encourage a young girl to enter upon the life of the stage without the full consent of her parents or guardian. When finally she and Kathleen had said good-bye to the Southards, who had seen them to their train, and were settled for the long ride to Overton, Evelyn faltered. Kathleen, all the time I was with the Southards, I felt just like a traitor. Do you think I ought to have told them everything? It's not fair to them to masquerade under false colours. Kathleen eyed her companion searchingly. Evelyn's conscience was no longer sleeping. It was now wide awake and tormenting her. I'm glad you feel as you do about it, Evelyn, was her blunt rejoinder. It shows that you are on the right road. I don't believe it is necessary for you to tell the Southards anything. Still there is another person who must decide that. You mean Miss Harlowe? Kathleen nodded. I can't bear to face her. Evelyn's voice sank almost to a whisper. You are not the only one who has said that. There was a curiously significant ring in Kathleen's voice that made Evelyn look at her in mute inquiry. Let me tell you of another girl who had to face the same situation. Kathleen began with her entrance into Overton as a freshman, and told Evelyn the story of her hatred of Grace and her betrayal of Grace's trust, of how Elfreda had shown her the way to reparation and the gaining of true college spirit, and of how she had tried, in small measure, to redeem the past by writing Loyalheart as a belated tribute to Grace. Evelyn listened with sombre attentiveness. The past three days had taught her more of life than had her entire eighteen years, she had lately begun to see what college might mean to the girl who lived up to its traditions. Until the moment of hearing Kathleen's story, she had felt that Grace Harlowe must despise her utterly. Now she fixed solemn blue eyes on Kathleen. Do you believe Miss Harlowe will ever forgive me? was her mournful question. Of course she will. You don't know her as I do. Kathleen's emphatic assurance had a visibly cheering effect upon the other girl. When they reached Overton, however, her dread of meeting Grace returned with renewed force. "'I can't face her to-night,' she pleaded. "'We're going to Harlow House now. Come on.' Kathleen grasped Evelyn's arm and piloted her up the street at a brisk pace. Neither girl ever forgot that walk across the campus. "'Here we are.' They had mounted the steps of Harlow House. Kathleen rang the bell. A moment's wait and the door opened. Grace stood peering out at the two girls. "'I knew you would come. I've been watching for you,' she cried. She held out her hands to Evelyn, who dropped her suitcase and grasped them with a half-smothered sob. "'Come up to my room.' Slipping her arm about Evelyn, Grace drew her toward the stairs. "'Good night, Grace. I'll see you tomorrow.' The vestibule door closed with a decided click. Kathleen did not wish to be a third party. 
Grace and Evelyn were better off without her. Once in Grace's room, Evelyn broke down. Oh, Miss Harlowe, can you, will you forgive me? She sobbed. You mustn't cry so, Miss Ward, soothed Grace. Of course I forgive you. If Miss West had not brought you home to me, I intended to go to New York City to look for you. Remember, you are, and I hope will be until your college days are over, a Harlow House girl. You were too good to me, sobbed Evelyn. Grace led her gently to a chair. Sit down, she urged. Evelyn sank into the chair. I can't come back to Overton next year. Her head drooped in shame and humiliation. You must, said Grace simply, for your own sake as well as your sister's. She must never be worried with the slightest inkling of what has happened. It is to be a secret. Outside of Miss Dean and Miss West, no one except ourselves knows. Miss Pearson and Mr. Southard took me to see Mr. Forrest. He engaged me to play a part in his new play, The Reckoning, began Evelyn. I, I didn't tell the, the, the Southards about things. Kathleen wouldn't let me, but she said I must tell them if you say so. I'd rather, I, I want to be honest now and, and always. Evelyn's voice shook with the intensity of her feelings. Kathleen was right in not allowing you to tell them. You have suffered enough, Evelyn. You must look to the future. You work this summer and will make it possible for you to pay the money you owe Semper Fidelis and your college expenses too. Grace's sensible, practical words went far toward restoring Evelyn to her normal self. The two young women talked long and earnestly. It was after eleven o'clock when Evelyn rose to go to her room. I'll prove to you that I am worthy of your trust, she said with shining eyes. I'll make you and Ida proud of me yet. After she had gone to her room, Grace sat for a little, her hands idly folded, her thoughts on the girl who had found herself after many false starts. How glad she was that everything had turned out so beautifully, thanks to Kathleen's chance meeting with Evelyn. What a power for good Kathleen had become. Yes, college was really the place where one eventually found oneself. And now her first year of work was almost over. Another week and she would be back in dear old Oakdale. With the thought of home, Tom Gray's earnest, boyish face rose before her. It cast a faint shadow on the pleasure of the coming reunion with her family and friends. She hated to feel that she was making Tom unhappy, yet she was equally certain that with her, work still came first. "'I can't give up my work,' she said aloud. "'Well, who said that you should?' demanded Emma Dean's matter-of-fact tones. The door stood partly open, and Emma had entered just in time to hear Grace's emphatic utterance. "'Has the prodigal returned?' "'She has,' smiled Grace. Grace recounted what had taken place that evening. "'Isn't it wonderful how college helps these girls to find themselves, Emma?' she asked when she had finished her recital. "'College and Grace Harlow,' declared Emma. "'You mustn't say that.' Grace coloured and shook her head in emphatic denial. "'Oh, yes, I must, because it's the truth,' insisted Emma. "'Dear loyal heart, your highway of life led you back into the land of college, didn't it?' Grace nodded. "'I'm going to stay in the land of college, too, Emma. I was just thinking about it when you came in.' 
That was what made me say I can't give up my work. Overton needs you, and Harlow House needs you, and Emma Dean needs you. But are you sure that someone else does not need you more than we do? questioned Emma slyly. That's three to one, Emma, and the majority rules, evaded Grace. Will you be my roommate, mentor, and comforter next year? Most gracious, Grace, I will, and there's my hand on it. How fully Emma Dean kept her promise, and what Grace's second year on the campus brought her, will be told in Grace Harlow's problem, the record of her further college life at Harlow House. End of chapter 24 End of Grace Harlow's Return to Overton Campus by Jessie Graham Flower